This is Citizens Going Wild on a rather difficult period in, uh, well, in America right now. I, since no one else seems to have solved the problems uh, regarding race and rioting, I thought I would step in and offer my views, which um, might, might be right. Um, I think that we have to focus not on changing attitudes, although that would be very nice, and changing people's hearts, although that would be very nice, because those things are basically beyond the power of the government to do anything. Uh, it is always good when that happens, but I don't think that's efficient, and I don't think that is the main job of the government. What I would like to see is the government take some concrete steps that would provide confidence to white and black people in the country that the police were acting correctly. Um, these are the three things that I thought might be done. Uh, and most importantly, immediately, whenever a cop shoots somebody or someone shoots a cop or, you know, kills somebody or someone kills a cop, it should be reported immediately to the attorney general of the state in which this occurred and to the FBI. And both the attorney general and the FBI should be brought in immediately. And I think most people, in spite of some problems we've had here, uh, trust the attorney general of their state. And if not them, certainly most people trust the FBI. There may be a few outliers who say there's certain corruption within it and all, but certainly most people, actually most people throughout the world trust the FBI. And if they could be brought in immediately without uh, people having to riot, uh, that would give people a, a sense of calm and a willingness to listen, I think. Uh, secondly, Whenever police are involved in something that might be misconduct, um, all should be charged if this if it's determined that something has been done that's illegal, and um, all should be charged. At uh, this time, apparently, so far at least, only one person has been charged: the person who had their knee on the neck of the black victim. But there were three other police there. And this is important because it would mean in the future, the policeman who's not doing the uh, kneeing and killing somebody would know that unless they say something, they too will lose their job at least and might be considered an accomplice. And there's something called depraved indifference, which comes into play as well. The point is that everyone should feel responsible for what is happening in front of them. The the other thing that I think should be done is that the police chief should be held responsible. Sometimes he will be, sometimes he won't be. Nonetheless, we should start out with a presumption that the police chief is responsible. This will put a pressure, good pressure, I think, on the police chief to act to do something and to make sure that the people out there understand that if they do something wrong, he's going to break their necks. Or perhaps that's not the right word. But at any rate, everyone involved should be involved, should stay involved. And I think this would give the people a great deal of confidence 
And so the only people who will be riding in the future, hopefully, will be the Antifa nincompoops and other people like that who are nincompoops. Uh, that would be my contribution, Ed, to this idea of what should actually be done, because I haven't seen that much talk about what should be done, except I hear some people talking about changing people's hearts. Boy, that's a tough one. Or just throwing things around. Ed, do you have any views on this? Uh, well, yeah, my first uh, is a comment that you're not going to change people's hearts. Okay, they, they're going to want to do what they're going to want to do. What you have to do is give everybody a vested interest in maintaining some sort of civility and, and law and order. Uh, the other thing, George, is on, on your uh, suggestions, we have, there are two separate things. One is a specific instance you're talking about, uh, you know, the, this George Floyd uh, case. Now, the only thing I can add to that about the three officers who were standing there twiddling their thumbs while Mr. Floyd was being murdered is that Keith Ellison, who was the investigator, your former attorney general, uh, has already indicated that he thinks that the other three should be charged. Uh, however, he is waiting until he has done the appropriate investigation, evidence gathering, uh, and has built a, a solid case, which I understand. Now, is that the, <laughs> you know, what, the, the current uh, attorney general? Uh, no, he was uh, Keith Ellison has been appointed by the governor of Minnesota okay. to uh, conduct the investigation and, and, and uh, you know the prosecution. And he is the former attorney general. Well, okay, no. I'm going to check that. Okay. okay, I don't know if he was never mind. Or current. I think he may be the current. Okay, okay. attorney so general of Minnesota. There's still a possibility that uh, that uh, everyone will be charged, although it shouldn't take a couple of riots to have that happen, but okay. I agree, but Keith Ellison's statement was that, you know, if we look at past history, uh, you know, getting a police officer indicted and convicted has been next to impossible. He right. wants to, you know, uh, dot the I's, cross the T's, and by the time he takes it into court, it's going to be ironclad, uh, you know, and under the light of day, which is what we have now is a national spotlight on this case, I think it will be a lot tougher for the police to skate on this. Uh, George, as you point. know, we've had this conversation before. I have a nephew who's a, a lieutenant commander in the New York City Police Department, and I've maintained that, you know, until a policeman who is guilty of murder, uh, such as that policeman down in North Carolina that shot that man in the back, right. okay, who was running from a traffic stop, right? right? Until one of these guys gets a needle in the arm, this isn't going to stop. Well, I don't think we have to go quite that far, Ed. I mean, I George, think any, mur murder is murder. Uh, yeah, they don't hesitate to hand out the death penalty to black uh, murder convictions. Yes, but you okay. Don't I don't know it. why it should be so tough to to hand out the same. Okay, uh, but they're not. Look, Ed, we've had trouble getting convictions of any kind, so I think we should start with a lesser target. Just get these people convicted of anything, 
And and you know, well, the well, idea George, that Americans are I Americans are I never going to convict the cops. If, if these guys skate off on on some you know lesser charge, uh, I think you're going to see riots like you've never seen before. It, it's it's going to get crazier. They need to be held to account. Okay, as the mayor of, of Minneapolis said, if it were me or if it were another citizen walking the street. It would have been a whole different story, and we would have been in jail. Okay? okay but wait, one now, thing. Now, Mid- now, this Mid- is a specific case, George. Now, let's talk about generalities. You know, the system, you understand that as of right now, okay, uh, there is no legislative requirement for the states to report murders to the FBI. Well, that's ridiculous. It's not required. I, I, I mean, it's just, just like bizarre. There's a, a legislative uh, law. Yeah, there's a law that prohibits the CDC from aggregating uh, violent death statistics and reporting, you know, like gun deaths. Yeah, that's right. uh, but, thanks but, but to wait, the NRA Ed, who thing. said, no, we wait. don't want that put in public. Okay, but wait, so Ed. What we have wait, to wait. do. Wait, Ed. Uh, here's, look. You never murder is when you lie and wait for somebody. Anything else is also considered terrible, but it's manslaughter. That you've got to have different degrees of killing people. For the no, no, murder one, murder one used to be premeditation. Okay, that was right. murder one. Okay, right. if you if you kill somebody in the commission of a felony, then that's murder also. Okay. Uh, right. you know, okay. Not all murders are, you know, pre or predetermined or pre-planned. But right. to walk out, you know, and you're walking down the street and somebody jumps out at you and you pull out a gun and shoot him, that's still murder. So you you think people are going to convict a person, a policeman, of murder one? I think they should. Are you going to tell what, me that what, guy think, with his knee on, they on will. his neck wasn't aware what you, of what he was doing and did it in spite? I, what, do you think, okay, that's a, a, an important problem, but to me, it's more important to get something done. And I don't think the American people are going to convict a policeman of uh, murder one. And I'd rather right, well, get something done. I mean, putting a guy away for 20 years should be a, a good deterrent. Uh, oh, well, I, George, if you want to get the, the public on board with murder one convictions, let me tell you, this cop is the poster child for a needle in his arm. Well, yeah, he is a poster child, unfortunately. Yes, you're right. All right. Let me let me ask you about these other things. They say they have a, they have him in jail on suicide watch. Well, yeah, I'd I'd put a camera on him to watch him, and then I'd throw a gun with one bullet in the cell. All right, Ed. We're gonna back yeah, up I know, here George, a little bit. I know. Anyway, yeah. what about this second idea that the police chief is held responsible in all of these cases? That's a little unfair. Time it's. You know, that's what they do. It depends on you know, the, the policies and procedures of the particular police department. 
you know, you can have a department with the best policies and procedures run by a conscientious and dedicated police chief who wants to do the right thing. And you have a, a street level patrolman who is uh, not quite wrapped so tight, who commits you know, a brutal murder. I don't think the chief is responsible for that. Well, I think if you, in this if case... you have a systemic if you have a systemic abuse within that department, yes, then the chief is responsible because he's done nothing to change you know, the, the pattern, if you will. Well, let me offer another possibility here. In the Army, and this is a case that occurred while I was in the Army, uh, it occurred in Germany where I wasn't, but at any rate, uh, this uh, commander uh, was engaged in some sort of military exercise, and he put a soldier out there as, a, I guess, a watchman uh, at a certain place. It was winter time. The guy forgot about him, and the soldier ended up with frostbite that uh, resulted in the amputation of two fingers. That officer was punished. Now, you might sure. say that's unfair, but, but, but he also might say, listen, we're in a certain field here where we have to have different standards than we would have for civilians. I would say we have to have different standards here. We're not going to shoot the chief of police. We're just going to fire him. And, in some uh, cases, I think that's perfectly uh, legitimate. Uh, however, that's a case-by-case call. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, you know, some some chiefs are trying to do the right thing. You can't, I understand that. I understand back to, that. Back to the original statement, you can't change hearts and minds unless they want to be changed. If you right. have a, a racist cop on the beat, I don't care what the chief does. That racist cop is going to do what he's going to do. All right. Let me let me also mention a different um, possibility here, and that is that things might change. You know, at the beginning of the civil rights movement, people said you can't change hearts and minds uh, with a law. But it turned out, if you look at the statistics of what was happening and the polls that were taken, as we did press forward with civil rights, it actually ended up changing people's hearts and minds. Maybe they found because sitting next to a black person didn't harm them. Maybe because they delved into their own heart and changed their mind. But as the civil rights laws increased and had a greater and greater effect, it actually changed people's hearts and minds. And so that that's a that's a fond possibility. That's a distant possibility. But uh Well the law the law may have been the proximate uh cause for the change in hearts and minds, but I think you're absolutely right. Uh experience is actually what changed most people's minds. Right, exactly, exactly. People you know, have a certain image but then enough reality comes through in their own experience and that changes them. All right, and yep. I, I thank you very, very much for your views on that. I may have to um, okay. give you a drink before the next time, but uh, <laughs> I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it. I hope that they adopt something. You know, when we go through this stuff, nothing is done. It shows up again. It makes people crazy, or at least it makes me crazy. Uh, what George, is all this 
painful. Like I said, do you, you need to take a stand, okay? And, and you know, you've heard it time and time again. A law that doesn't apply to everybody equally isn't worth a damn. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand that policemen have a tough job. Okay. And I understand that they put themselves in harm's way. But I also hear, oh, that officer was afraid for his life. Well, you know what? Get another job because you're right. ready to do that one. That's you're absolutely okay. right. And by the way, we're going to come back to the police issue in a further podcast because we're going to have um, a discussion of the the cost of the police force. But we'll save that for another day. I don't want to get too many tickets between now and the next uh, next time we have a podcast. I thank you very much, Ed. And uh, not a problem, George. We'll be calling on you in in. Uh, in about 20 minutes or so, okay? You, you got it. All right. All right thank you. Take it. Okay. Uh, I want to switch to another area I'm interested in, and that's Israel. And um, you should know I am a fervent Zionist. I am very enthusiastic about Israel and the Jewish people and their right to exist in peace. Uh, but first I want to start out with something neat. Uh, the Israelis are known for innovations in a lot of areas, and in especially medical care. And uh, one nice thing they've done is that I think we should adopt is basically virus patients at Israeli hospitals are not dying alone. This is just breaks your heart when you see these stories about these people, you know, trying to get a glimpse of their loved one who is dying and they jump up and try and get a glimpse through the window or sneak in or something. And what the Israelis do, which I think we could do as well, is they put people in the, you know, those uh, all covering medical uh, outfits. I don't know what they're called exactly, but basically head to toe protective wear. And they allow them 15 minutes to say goodbye. Uh, they outfit him. They make sure he's sprayed and everything's safe and stuff like that. And then they run uh, certain procedures after that person leaves. But, it, it, you know, just to have a loved one die without their loved ones there is just, it's just wrong. And I think we should adopt this basic idea here. Um, I mentioned uh, I mentioned a lot of um, that the motives of um, uh, those who want to destroy Israel are, are plain to be seen, and it's not clear to me why people think it would be a good idea that the Israelis stay at, uh, create help create a state next to them when the people who are next to them have the following ideas. This is a variety of things that various people that hate Israel have said. And um, here we go. We intend to open a general assault against Israel. This will be total war. Our basic aim will be to destroy Israel. This is by Abdel Nasser, and he was the president of Egypt. Here's another one. The sole method we shall apply against Israel is total war, which will result in the extermination of Zionist existence. That's Egyptian 
Here's one from Syria, the Syrian defense minister. I, as a military man, believe that the time has come to enter into a battle of annihilation. Um, annihilation means the end of Israel and the end of the people who live there. Here's another one from Iraq. The existence of Israel is an error which must be rectified. Our goal is clear to wipe Israel off the map. Would you like those people as uh, neighbors? Uh, would you put a pe person who had said something like that about your mother and said, well, we'll help you pay for a house next door to our mom? Now, there is some good news, and um, it has only taken place under Trump, uh, which some people should remember from time to time. Basically, the attack on Israel is centered on our college campuses. They're the most vicious, anti-Semitic, hateful things are said. And this is the only place where you hear people chanting Muslims and leftists together that uh, the extermination of the Jewish people would be a good thing. And they actually demand the extermination of the Jewish people. They say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be. The river is the Jordan, the sea is the Mediterranean, and the Jews will be dead in between if these people get their way. Uh, there's been absolutely no fight back against this by the federal government. Now, the federal government pays a lot of money to our colleges and universities. Most of them couldn't function without the monies that came from the federal government. For the first time during Trump's administration, um, there's been fight back, mainly led through the Department of Education. And uh, what has happened is a member of Congress, this has happened a number of times under Trump, called on the Department of Education to investigate a university's use of grants under something called Title VI of the Higher Education Act. Uh, the laws are grouped into what are called different titles, and each title deals with something else. This title deals with civil rights. Title VI uh, of the Higher Education Act uh, is, a, uh, is against supporting biased, anti-American, pro-boycott, dis, uh, um, disinvestment transaction programs. Basically what has happened is the, after 9-11, the government poured a lot of money into co colleges and universities, and they basically wanted to build up the information, the expertise in the Middle East, the language expertise, the analysis expertise, the security expertise. What has happened is that the people that got this money, who usually call, uh, set up an organization uh, called the Center for Middle East Studies, is a popular name, have turned against the United States and against the uh, Israel in a vicious, vicious way. They have become as vicious as the people who cry out for the extermination of the Jewish people. Now, this is prohibited. And so for the first time, though, the Department of Education is going to these schools and saying, uh, we hear that you're doing thus and such. 
which is not why we gave you the money. Now, you either start using the money correctly or we'll stop funding you. And we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. Um, and at Vassar College, uh, the group repeated the Hamas chant from the river to the sea, Palestine, which will be will be free, which is a call for Israeli um, Israel's extinction. And um, there is a number of people there who basically have signed pro BDS uh, boycott divestment uh, petitions, and that the goal plainly stated is the elimination of Israel and. This money is supposed to be going to learn languages, uh, to develop expertise in security, things like that, not to cry out for the destruction of Israel. I mean, it's almost laughable what's being done. And for the first time, uh, someone is fighting back, which is awfully nice. And here's a problem for Jews. What do you do if the only president who's fighting back is this? Um, four professors uh, at the uh, this particular school, University of Arizona, who actually signed up to be members of an organization dedicated to the elimination of Israel. That's not why the money was given to them. And there's an old saying that he who has the gold has the rule, uh, makes the rule. This is a good idea. Uh, I also wanted to cover from time to time little things on health because I'm interested in that, especially as I get older. Some people think the way you lose weight is through exercise, but here's the problem. If you wanted to walk off a cheeseburger, you'd have to walk 7,590 steps. That's not good. A can of regular soda, you'd have to walk 3,450 steps. A garden salad with fat-free dressing is 1,000 calories. Um, you have to do something else. Basically, if you want to lose weight and be fit, you have to eat less. I hate that. But here's something nice. Counting your blessings to reduce stress. And uh, what we do here is, um, this guy has come up with the idea, he writes for Men's Fitness Magazine, which is actually a very good magazine. And they, they say, count your blessings. I often forget to do this. I'm mad at hell at something or somebody. And uh, I forget, hold on a second here. Before I start that list, let me start a list. I've got two wonderful children. I know everyone says that, but I actually do. I've got a wonderful grandchild. Uh, I've got two wonderful children, one of whom listens to me and takes my advice. That's not bad, one out of two. And uh, I've got a wonderful wife who's just been super to me the whole marriage. So um, that's pretty darn good. That's pretty darn good. At any rate, I find if you actually do this, and that's the hard part, um then you actually feel a little different. Trouble is uh, you have to get in the hat of doing this every single time. And now I'm going to read some jokes or tell some jokes. I hate when Walmart doesn't have what I need and I have to go home 
change out of my pajamas and brush my hair so I can go to Target. Now, if you want to save money on Xmas, Christmas, Ed has a lot of grandchildren. Now's the perfect time to tell the kids that Santa didn't make it through the pandemic. But you have to be kind of tough when you do that. I just read a book on marriage that says treat your wife like you treated her on her first date. So after dinner tonight, I'm dropping her off at her parents' house. That's kind of old-fashioned. Here's something you often hear nowadays. Lead me not into temptation. On the other hand, who am I kidding? Follow me. I know a shortcut. Here's a suggestion for people who don't have good marriages. Be good to your spouse. Remember, right now they could poison you and it would be counted as a COVID death. Here are some other ideas. I'm going to ask my mom if she had offered to slap me into next year is still on the table. A lot of people were worried about a baby boom in the next nine months. But uh, other people realize that two days of homeschooling should nip that in the bud. And uh, here's something you might think about, the upside of staying home with your wife. If you've been home with her, like, uh, for eight weeks, you probably caught up in everything you've done wrong in the last 15 years. And I want to end by saying that due to my isolation, I finished three books yesterday, and believe me, that's a lot of coloring. I look forward to being in touch with you folks uh, next week when we'll have another podcast, Citizens Going Wild. I thank you for listening.